Hello there, my name is Corey Durbin, CEO of Shared Health Alliance, and I'd like to welcome you to Running Eyes, a podcast where we take a meaningful, deep dive into the relationships, strategies, and global mission of ASH to change healthcare and change lives. Well, I have the good fortune today to be joined by Dr. Kristen Dickerson. Dr. Dickerson is the founding partner of Green Imaging, and she was born and raised in Texas. She's a graduate of Baylor University and the University of Texas Medical School at Houston. Uh, she was elected Alpha Omega Alpha, Alpha Honor Medical Society there, and she um, practiced 13 years at a diagnostic clinic of Houston, or the diagnostic, diagnostic clinic of Houston, where she served there as a two-term president of a fairly large physician clinic there. Dr. Dickerson, it is great to be with you. How are you today? I am very well and excited to be here. Thanks Thank for having me. Thank you for me. taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate the impact you and your team have on the Alliance for Health uh, members and looking forward to, to sharing a little bit more about your background and hearing more about your background today. So you founded Green Imaging, of course, and that was after your time at Diagnostic Clinic of Houston, correct? It is. And it, you know, when it, it was uh, directly referable to that um, opportunity I had at Diagnostic, you know, the irony is that I started, I went to Diagnostic Clinic of Houston because it was a multi-specialty group. So I would never have to get into the business of healthcare. <laughs> and um, <laughs> a few years in, we had a new billing manager who brought me a big box of what we call yellow tickets. And they were the charge tickets for all the work we did nights and weekends, all the stuff I did on call that took me away from my family. And the hospital wasn't giving us enough information to build those. So we had literally what was probably millions of dollars of yellow tickets sitting there that we couldn't bill because of that, you know, that because that relationship had not been optimized. And um, oh, that... Wow. <laughs> that motivated me to come to understand the business of uh, healthcare, and it, you know it was really kind of my MBA. Um, you know, as president of the clinic, I had a CEO and a CFO, and you know I learned about um, profit and loss, and you know all, all the business um, reporting, and um, really also um, we were a self-funded healthcare. Uh, we had a self-funded healthcare plan, and so okay. we even back in two thousand. Five, you know, 2003, we were incentivizing our employees to use our own services rather than those down the street in the med center um, to say to keep them out of our Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, plan and thus, um, right. you know, save money and save on our premiums. And it was very successful. Well, I, it, that's I would say that in general and forgive the stereotype here, but medical practitioners are not necessarily known for their business acumen, right? Because they're so busy practicing. And I, what I know about you is definitely an aggressive risk taker. So I would imagine stepping out and, and going into and, and starting green imaging was, was a little bit scary at first, or was it, uh, just did it feel really natural as you started out? Um, I was really lucky. And when I left diagnostic, I went to another similar practice, uh, Medical Clinic of Houston, which is a another, you know, a very good uh, multi-specialty group here in Houston. But they were not interested in, ha in having a radiologist as a partner, um, you know, the way I had been mm -hmm. at diagnostic clinic. They wanted me to be, you know, just a con contractor, which was fine. But it also was not the way 
that, you know, I, I have a lot of creativity and a lot of business acumen mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to use this. And so I start or use those and I started um, green imaging as a side gig um, while I was, you know, practicing full time as a traditional radiologist. And um, it wasn't until February of 2020 that I went full time with green imaging. So it was really, so you-, you know, it, there wasn't much risk. It was just, um, you know, a this idea that I had um, to save, um, you know, people who didn't have health insurance, people who had climbing deductibles. And and I always knew I could save employers money. And so, you know, just kind of gradually grew it. Um, you know, I, I fortunately had a, you know, full-time um, radiologist income coming in. And so I didn't feel like there was the, you know, the risk that there would have been had I started a an imaging center or a chain of imaging centers that were brick and mortar. You got to develop it a little bit at a time, which is, that's certainly a nice, nice opportunity, a nice way to get started if you can. And you had a, a background also at, at MD Anderson at the Cancer Center. And was that really previous to or prior to the, the diagnostic clinic? Yeah, a significant portion of my training in radiology was at MD Anderson. Um, and so, so I, you know, that was a four year experience. So I would say probably a quarter of my time in residency was spent there, um, training. Wonderful place to train. On the clinical side, do you, do you tend to lean toward or gravitate toward the cancer side of things? Yes, um. my price, you know, still my practice is and it and it is that is not a cost effective way to practice medicine. <laughs> I read pet, these pet CTs, you know, with people who've had five prior pet CTs and have to compare them. And um, but I get a lot of um, personal gratification from working with these um, facilities and patients. So, yes, I would say probably over 50 percent of my practice is oncology. OK, OK. Well, it, what is it about that side that is not as profitable in general, not understanding uh, the time my side on my side. Okay. Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, it is that, um, the, you know, we get paid the same to read a study, whether it's normal or if it, it, it is, you know, unbelievably complex. And, um, we get paid the same to read a study, whether it has 10 comparisons or zero comparisons. And so it's a, uh, the time it takes, um, you know, to, to read these exams and the level of complexity, um, of the reporting when you're dealing with cancer. I see. Okay. That's helpful to understand. Thank you. Uh, you know, one of the things I always like to learn from our guests is how they got into the profession or career. So was there something growing up? When did you decide you wanted to become a medical practitioner? I I guess when I um, was in college, uh, I did an internship, a summer internship with a radiology practice at St. Joseph Hospital here in Houston. And I um, basically I managed I cleaned up their teaching files and um, I, I really, I had a great mentor and um, it, it was just a wonderful experience. And I think that was probably the, the turning point there. Gotcha. And so your, um, my hunch is you really definitely believe in what you are doing. And is, is that, this is a silly yes or no question right now, but am I on track with that hunch 
You're really, this is, you feel like you're in the right place at the right time. I do. I feel like I'm blessed. And, you know, I, I actually um, was part of a conference a few weekends ago called Innovator MD. And I was mm-hmm. trying to under, you know, all these physician innovators speaking, and I was trying to put my thumb on what was so different about that conference. And I, I figured it out. It was that these were the happiest doctors I have ever mm-hmm. been around. And so I think actually the pandemic has allowed so many physicians to spend their, you know, the time that they're not with patients, which is quite a bit right now, being innovative and solving problems. And it was really (laughs) an amazing event. Uh, Yeah. In fact, I was aware of that event and ended up having some other obligations come up. We had one of our other partners, uh, at Jaseki, I think was part of that. Do you, do you happen to know the folks at Jaseki at all? Um, I have just been made aware of them. I just spoke with them last week. With Tushar, possibly? Um, no. Maybe not. Yeah, well, that, that'll be an interesting uh, connection. And they've, they've got some really kind of new things brewing with them, too. So I think that will tie together as we go along. So back to this green imaging. And can you talk just a little bit about how what you all do impacts your, the members, the, you know, the employees of, of self-funded companies, of anybody that would uh, be directed to utilizing your services. Yeah. Let, let me tell you a story um, about School District of Osceola County in Florida. And um, this school district, the students are considered to be 100% economically challenged. Um, and the faculty or the um, employees wage increase in 2019 was entirely wiped out by the increase in their Cigna premium. Mm -hmm. And so the teachers union uh, went to the school board and said, you know, these people are paying all this money for this uh, health plan um, and they can't afford health care. You know, (laughs) there's no money left over to to pay for care. And, you know, we call that being functionally uninsured. And so mm-hmm. they, um, the school board had to do something. And so they, and I'm sure you've heard of the Rosen Health Center, um, Harris Rosen, mm-hmm. who owns hotels in Florida, um, many, many years ago, threw out his Blue Cross Blue Shield plan and just built his own health care plan and his own health center. Um, and it's not just a clinic. It's a health center. They do infusions. They do therapy. They do all kinds of things. But um, he you know, is in that geographic area. And he heard about this and he volunteered for his clinic, his health center to be the near site clinic for school district of Osceola County. And so the um, school board offered that to the employees at zero out of pocket. And then they offered green imaging at zero out of pocket. And we had predicted that we could save the school district $1.3 million um, in in, in, in a year's time. And, you know, we had a slow ramp up at the end of 2019. We got off to a booming start in 2020 and then the pandemic hit. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we took great care of their employees. You know, we had to do quite a bit of counseling on, you know, is it, it should I be getting this exam? You know, what what is essential imaging? Um, you know, we had to assure them of the safety of these outpatient imaging centers that, you know, they're as safe as they can possibly be. They're screening out COVID patients, uh, doing temperature checks, you know, doing disinfecting the rooms between patients, no extra people in the waiting rooms, spreading out exam time so that people are not overlapping. And so it was a, it was a big year. And um, we were also able to leverage their 10,000 members um, to get better pricing in the area. And so we ended up saving that school district 1.5, the school district and its employees, $1.5 million in 2020, despite wow. the pandemic. And, you know, like my partner said, when we were, we were discussing it kind of as a company and the social value, 
value of working with, a, you know, with a school district. And the really great thing is that's not just about the employees, that's about the kids. And when I was on Absolutely. the Innovator MD um, conference, somebody went in and I told that story, somebody in, put in the chat that, you know, they had a school that had to be closed in their district and that might have made the difference there. And so, you know, it, it, it's really, when we can get social value like that from working with clients, uh, it makes it fun for everybody to go to work every day. Yeah. And I think it's that's such an important part of what we all do as, um, you know, the support that we do to for Alliance for Shared Health as a vendor consultant or the vendors that we bring in, like green imaging and the impact that you have, because really the idea is we, we all have to be in this together. And it's not just, um, you know, some government mandates or, you know, all on the providers are all on, you know, the employers or some faulty system. We all have to figure out what what role can we play. And sometimes that means uh, being innovative and willing to take different approaches. And, and and sometimes that's not easy to do in, in, the, in the public sector, but it sounds like you all really made some significant inroads at that school. And the private sector is much easier to work with. You know, I'm, I'm contemplating right now, there's a Japanese study that just came out in the American College Radiology Journal um, about uh, using PETS CT. The, the Japanese, when, you know, when they were able to open back um, back up, you know, there had been about a year, a one year pent up demand for healthcare, And, you know, employers were really worried about that, you know, the long term effects of that on their workforce and financially. And so they um, implemented a PET CT screening program uh, for patients above a certain age. And it ended up being cost effective. You know, last year, I think it's 58% of women uh, didn't have screening mammograms. And so I'm going to mm. continue to follow this and see if when things open back up, if that's something, you know, employers need to consider here. Um, we're going to have a, you know, they're going to be real healthcare ramifications of, um, you know, the, of the, the relative shutdown that we've had um, from a healthcare standpoint. Right, right. And uh, you, you brought up the idea of you were going to kind of pay attention to this and continue to monitor monitor that monitor that situation i think uh, you i'm assuming you sort of had the opportunity as you grew green imaging to do a lot of of thinking and i don't see you as a person that sits still you're innovative constantly looking for new ways for your company to do business and so i'd ask you what what do you what else do you kind of have in the works for for where you all go next well um you know we want to get this out as you know everybody talks about you know how big do you see this getting and i only want it to get as big as being able to continue to offer the same high quality service um to as many people as we can but i don't ever want that level of service to to decrease um you know that would just that that would that would be a shame and so mm -hmm. you know we right now we're trying to keep up with the organic growth but the ideas we have you know there are a lot of we we've got an enterprise level referral management um system that is really um helping us become more efficient um, and 85% of our patients are now scheduling themselves completely on by messaging by, you know, what appears to them as a to text. It's actually a HIPAA compliant secure message, but effectively they're texting us. Um, you know, in less than an hour, they end up with a voucher. Um, they're scheduled for their exam. They have the prep. They have the address. They have all the information they need to go get that handled. So the more that we can make healthcare easy, you know, we are, we're always looking for ways to make healthcare easier for people. When we can get the auths and the verification of benefits, and, you know, when we can get all that noise out of the system, um, 
healthcare is really easy. We went, our old tagline was um, the same high quality medical imaging at a fraction of the cost. Now it's easy, affordable medical imaging, because if it's implemented mm-hmm. appropriately, um, it, it, you know, it is just so simple. And a, a lot of patients will use us just, you know, even if they have insurance coverage, just to get that noise out of there. And a, again, you know, Cigna is really proud that they um, deny auths on about 50% of MRIs. Well, those patients, of mm-hmm. course, had our way for, you know, a self-pay patients. Many of them have significant pathology, I think as many as, <laughs> as get auths. So, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, that's a model. But the things we're looking at, you know, uh, of course, machine learning and AI are possibilities. We um, there's a, a very interesting um, project that we're doing with Subtle MR um, out of Stanford, and um, it is not AI and interpretation, which is what we frequently hear about um, with imaging and AI, but it is AI um, a- applied to a machine and applied to the you know to an older MRI. Um, machine and it turns that machine into 3T quality images and uh, decreases wow. the scan time. And so obviously that throughput, that increased throughput makes that imaging center, uh, you know, able to, um, it, it can help them drive down the cost of care. And, you know, and cer- certainly right now where imaging centers were three months last year at 50% capacity, um, you know, they need that revenue as well of the increased throughput. So, you know, I think that's a really interesting thing that's evolving. As far as payment models, we're looking at the payment model is still broken in healthcare, care, you know, in, in health plans. Uh, I have so many clients who really want a HICFA 1500 claim form uh, to go through a clearinghouse. Um, you know, they take 45 to 60 days to pay, um, you know, all these things that really make it very difficult um, to streamline operations. And so there are there are certainly some payment solutions that are coming out, uh, whether that's blockchain or just, you know, um, a, you know, an escrow account. There are all kinds of solutions that are um, emerging to get payers, you know, to get uh, providers paid more quickly. And then, you know, the other thing is models, um, whether that's capitation, uh, whether that's bundles of imaging, whether that's futures of imaging, um, all of those things um, enable us, you know, improve cash flow for practices. You know, certainly we were at 50% capacity um, in March through May. Um, you know, we were able to keep our, our workforce um, intact and we actually added, I think, 12 jobs in 2020. So, um, you know, we pulled out of it very strong from a financial standpoint, but it certainly would have been nice to have more capitation or more, you know, cash flow coming through, um, you know, in, in kind of a catastrophic situation. Yeah. Well, going back to the AI, the AI that you referenced, can if I'm understanding you tr- correctly, then for an imaging machine that may be older equipment, does the AI actually allow that older equipment to, to continue to be functional at a, at a high level or is there more to it than I'm understanding? No, it, it, it actually, you know, Im- improves the, um, you know, the image quality and decreases the scan time. So here's here's the way this works. Um, typically, let's say on average, there are six sequences acquired um, in an MRI exam. Um, the magnetic fields are applied in different directions to um, 
to elicit signal properties of a specific type of tissue um, that differentiate it from another type of tissue. And um, that said, what the subtle MR does is it takes the first three of those um, sequences and reproduces, re, you know, reconstructs um, the uh, other three sequences. So they don't have to be acquired. They're actually um, reconstructed. And so um, it, it is FDA approved. And um, the image quality, do I, I don't think it's, it changes. You know, we know now, you know, everybody thought 3T was going to be, you know, the, the answer to the, you know, it was going to be great. There are a few settings where 3T MRI is um, better. Mostly it's most of, you know, the properties of the stronger magnet are used actually now to decrease exam time, not so much to improve image quality. Um, but um, so I, I don't think the images are any more diagnostic. They are prettier and um, there's less noise in the images, um, but certainly they're as diagnostic. And, and mm -hmm. again, the time on the table, um, the decreased time on the table decreases, you know, the patient's um, anxiety and maybe decreases the motion, um, you know, just the natural motion that, you know, we, we all get stiff if we stay still too long. So so it enables the patient to not spend all that time on the table with that discomfort. So, you know, there's some really great properties uh, there. I would love to see that happen. You know, I, I'm, I'm green imaging is green because we save money and also because we are, um, you know, we're not we're not putting in new brick and mortar. We're using existing resources. And if we can mm -hmm. start to to better use the existing equipment rather than, you know, imaging centers having to upgrade, you know, a one point five million dollar magnet every 10 years, you know, that's going to be a, a game changer, I think, for American healthcare. Uh, can't do anything but help help long term with the cost, I would imagine. Uh, right. I, I can I could relate a little bit to I, I said on here a couple of times, my dad's going through lung cancer and the whole idea of how the discomfort or kind of um, uncomfortable, well, same word, but that going into the imaging and saying that kind of claustrophobia or whatever, and like, that's that's very real for him it for is. sure yeah. uh, not not an easy thing to deal with but uh, in terms of um, the impact to members what is it about what you all do that helps get that the cost of the imaging down uh, can you just talk a little bit about that and so our, our members understand about the, the impact that you're able to have on their personal pocket pocketbook sure um you know in in texas when we started this we really turned radiology on its head typically an outpatient imaging center contracts with a radiologist and buys the interpretation for that exam at a flat fee and then the imaging center bills globally. What we did was the inverse of that. I looked around and instead of building an imaging center, I had all these imaging centers that I was working for that were at 50% capacity. So the Stark laws actually um, specifically state that radiologists are consultants under those laws and the, you know, the, um, that they don't apply um, equally um, as they do to, you know, try to keep other doctors from doing lease arrangements. And so we are actually able to do per click lease arrangements. So we, we buy the X extra time, you know, the unused time on a scanner um, at a discount. And then we pass that savings along. So what we do is we pay the imaging center a flat fee for the scan. We read the study and then we bill globally. So we're actually, you know, making part of our income based on that radiologic interpretation. We're also steering patients away from, you know, where's the most expensive place to get an MRI? 
it's down the hall at the hospital. 70% of doctors mm-hmm. in the United States are, um, you know, either employed by or subsidized by healthcare systems. Um, when, you know, when they send the pa- give the patient a script for an MRI and say, step down there and get, let's get that scheduled, you know, that's, that's going to be the most expensive place. And so exams in the hospital systems are typically three times that in the independent imaging centers and a geographic area. There's a lot of market variability. Um, Boston and Pittsburgh are hospital dominated. And, um, you know, the, 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 probably the cost of an MRI there is, you know, three times that of an MRI in Houston, with the exception of an MD Anderson, which is equally expensive. But in our hospital systems, you know, the MRI, non-contrast MRIs range from about 1300 to about 1600. In Boston, I see pretty consistently around 4000 mm. to 5000. Um, and, but, you know, our savings in those geographic areas are still about two thirds that of the hospital system. So uh, across the, you know, depending on the city, it's going to vary dramatically, but it's still, we still, when we look at claims data, we're still usually a third the cost of, um, you know, of the average in a self-funded healthcare plan. And, you know, a small percentage of imaging belongs in the hospital. I would say 10 to 15% belongs in the hospital, whether it's pediatric that requires sedation, you know, if, if it's an emergency, um, if they're extenuating, you know, circumstances that, or if it's an unusual exam, uh, cardiac MRI is typically, you know, always performed in a hospital system. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about Alliance for Shared Health, and as one of the original members of that health share myself, there's no doubt that the vendor selection and u- utilizing the services Green Imaging provides really is is in alignment with the way ASH feels like it can best serve its members and share in the medical needs. And I think there's sometimes a little bit of misunderstanding from members saying, well, why can't I go to the hospital to get the service done? Well, the health share entity really can't absorb long-term the inflated prices that happen at the hospitals when those services can be provided at outpatient facilities or clinics. And so what you what you all do really aligns well with what the folks at ASH are trying to do and how they're trying to maintain a strong uh, needs fund for its members. Right. And, you know, I, I'm all for consumerism in healthcare, but let me tell you, you know, the system is intentionally broken. Um, coding and billing and imaging is so complex that it really um, takes me about six months to train a concierge and, you know, for them to really understand how the CPT codes apply. Um, you know, we would love to get away from them, but we can't. And, um, and even if it's just for analytics, even if it's just to show savings. Um, and, you know, so an example is there's a code for bilateral hip x-ray, but breast ultrasound, there's no code for bilateral. So you have to charge unilateral twice. It's nonsensical. Mm. There is no logic to it. And it's intentionally that way. So, you know, I, I do believe in consumerism, but, you know, number one, that's an issue. Number two, equipment and quality of interpretations. I will tell you the biggest red flag um, is no, you know, about an imaging center is if there's no mention of who their radiologists are on their website. Mm. But even so, I mean, there is no, there's really no way for the average person to, to, to know, you know, really the quality of that imaging center. ACR accreditation is great, but it's a single point in time and every three years. That doesn't mean that next week those images are going to look bad. And frequently they don't. Frequently they bring in a consultant to help them get past, you know, that accreditation process. So, you know, we really feel like we're, re- you know, we're maybe 70% of the time we're reading the studies. 
which we're looking, you know, we're seeing the reports and we, you know, our subspecialty radiologists are reading the um, exams. Um, you know, we see those images. We know if the tech's good. We know if the machine is good. And then if we don't read the exam, we um, actually have, you know, ask for peer review privileges in our contracts such that we can get in and look at the exam and the report, even if we didn't perform, you know, even if we were not the radiologists in that case. And that, so again, the fact that we're radiologist owned and operated gives us that advantage that we can go in and actually look at that study. And I've only had to invoke that once. And it was a patient during the pandemic who, um, or doing the shutdown, really, um, who said that some of her images were fuzzy. And so it was the school district. And they said, would I take a look at it? I said, absolutely. So my neuroradiologist and I got on and looked at it. And, you know, she had moved during one of the sequences. But we were able to say, look, this exam is is, is normal. If you were a family member, we would not repeat it. Um, but, um, in, you know, if, if you would like to have it repeated, we can send you back and we can repeat that sequence. So I do believe in consumerism, but it's tough with imaging. We actually built an app so patients could self-schedule a few years ago. And what we discovered is 40% of imaging orders are incomplete or downright incorrect. And so patients were scheduling themselves for the wrong exams. It was a, it was a huge mm. mess. And what we learned from that experience, like you say, I, I, you know, I, I do like to, to, you know, to work in the business. What I learned from that is we needed a super strong concierge staff because when people are under healthcare stress, they, they really don't want to be consumers. They really want a hand, you know, want hand holding. And if you look at our Google reviews, our concierge are almost always called out by name. And so I think that means they're doing their job effectively. And I think, you know, with that, with the connectivity that we develop shared health alliance through our, through the share mobile app and what you have allowed our members to access makes it really easy. We, we've used it ourselves, of course, to connect and get the labs and the image, the, the tests ordered. And certainly an additional value that you all bring is to help that member to know that and have confidence that they're going to a center that they can trust. Is, is, am right. I saying that correctly? You are saying that correctly. And we, you know, we're very quick to remove centers from our network if they don't meet our not only our quality standards but our core values one of the things that you also hit on i like to go back to just briefly is you know it it feels to me like doctors aren't necessarily getting to practice anymore i mean there's so much control that's happening you know why does a company like cigna say you know refuse 50 percent of the requests that come in i i got a call last night from a doctor friend of mine actually um from scott miller who was on a previous test uh podcast with us joined us. He's a, a, a PA and has a family uh, family clinic up here in Washington. But he was helping a friend of mine who had developed COVID and was having lung issues and prescribed him budesonide. And the, the and Cigna was not letting him get the med. And so, I mean, he fought for him for two hours, finally got it approved. But it's like, this is a $64 medication. Um, with a, when a provider is saying writing a prescription saying my patient needs this and so the the question maybe I'm getting back to is what is going on that a Cigna doesn't say well we don't want you to go to this hospital so let's redirect over to green imaging and let you make sure that this is done in the most cost effective way. Well I think those are the malaligned incentives of what you know Carl Schusler calls the cartel the insurance companies the pharmaceutical companies and uh, the hospital systems. Um, 
And if you look up the definition of cartel, they actually need it. Um, it, it is um, the their incentives with the Affordable Care Act plan. You know, the their profit is capped at twenty percent of revenue. So do they? Do they really have? You know, so these are two different issues, really. But with the green imaging standpoint, they don't really have an incentive to hold down the cost of care for the employee for the employers or the employees. Their incentive is really to drive up revenue so they have more profit. And so that's one answer. I think in some way they have to show or to demonstrate something from a fiduciary standpoint for um, employers that they are doing something. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, redirecting, not, not authorizing the MRIs, you know, they understand that a lot of patients will just go ahead and have it out of pocket. Um, you know, so that that is, you know, that's one um, means that they use to kind of prove to employers that they're doing something. Probably the um, the example of the medicine as well. Um, just, you know, we're, we've got these safeguards, quote unquote, in place uh, to make sure you know, these nasty doctors aren't abusing the system or something like that. that yeah. That's the best I can do with it. Yeah. And, and, it and you know, we're only 7% of healthcare costs, physicians. <laughs> we're sure. not the no, big driver. <laughs> it's not the docs. It's it's the facility charges for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, I appreciate your comments on that. I, I, I'm curious a little bit about, you know, you, you, you all as a company are taking care of our members, taking care of your employees. What about you? What do you do for yourself to take care of yourself? Um, I am a competitive tennis player and I have played tennis really? for longer than I uh, <laughs> care to mention. And um, I still play probably four days a week and compete. And um, then the other thing that I implemented during COVID was, you know, I feel like I sit in front of a computer all day. And so I am actually walking uh, an hour a day. And uh, that's what I do. And we've always eaten healthfully. So competitive tennis, is that in your history, like college and through the ranks or what? I played juniors. Yeah, I played juniors. Mm -hmm. I play um, at the second highest level in, in Houston. Um, so, you know, there's there are two levels of open play and the top level is you usually have to have several, you know, a couple of pros on your team. Our team does not have any pros. And then we play that second level. Oh, very cool. Well, the COVID has been an interesting time for sure. And um, you're right. We, we all tend to end up at our computers a lot. I, the impact that uh, you, you talked about your growth and your company's growth and certainly Shared Health Alliance saw similar in this past year. And I think people are looking for alternative ways to access care. And I know you're a big promoter of that. Uh, and I, because of what's going on in health share, there's, there's, a, you know, all kinds of regulatory push. Insurance companies don't like health share entities because they don't, they don't like that the rules created uh, a safe haven for health shares. And at the end of the day, the consumers really need these choices. And we appreciate that you're helping create a way for our, for our members, for ASH members to be able to access care at a more reasonable price. And, and these kind of alternatives, I think you would agree really need to be part of the marketplace. Oh, they do. And, you know, my husband and I have been experimenting. We, I think our last year with United Healthcare was maybe five years ago. So we've been on several alternative plans and had good and bad stuff happen along the way. But I think we've probably saved over $100,000 uh, despite a couple of surgeries and um, that my husband had for kidney stones. And we've done, you know, it, it's been great for us. Um, it, it does take taking a deep breath and, you know, and cutting the cord. 
but um, you know, I I can I from personal experience, I, I couldn't be up here talking about this if we weren't doing it. Yeah, and it's saving the money doesn't come without uh, learning a new way to do things, and I think that's true when uh, a patient or a member says, "How do I access?" Uh, imaging tests at a lower price. How do I access, you know, the virtual primary care providers? How do I, how do I go get a high cost medication like um, is is offered through Sharks, where we go get these high cost specialty meds or maintenance meds, typically at no cost for members. And and those things do take some effort that people in general are used to being able to just say, here's my ID card, and right, I, you know, don't have to think about it and. That world doesn't allow somebody to reduce their costs. It it does put some onus back on all of us. But you've made it a lot easier for our members through the connectivity that is provided through the Share app. And uh, I, I really feel like we're on the right track with uh, our connection with, with you all. And if there's anything we can do uh, to have a greater impact, we sure want to know what that is from you. And vice versa. We love working with you. It's It's been great to talk to you today. Um, of course, uh, our members, hopefully they know that they can connect to Green Image through the share connected care through the sh- through the share mobile app uh, through share imaging there and something that we, my family and I do and uh, again thank you for taking the time today it's a blast and and uh, I know this will be helpful to the Alliance for shared health members to understand more about how green imaging will help keep their medical costs down right thanks for having me and uh, stay safe Kristen have a great day appreciate it see you next time well there there's so much there as I talked to Dr. Dickerson and there's such a balance between the uh, kind of the, the clinical technical side of things and how to just convey to members of Alliance for Shared Health how to access what's available to them through green imaging and it, I am hopeful that there is, um, it, it, it's clear that how much, how passionate Dr. Dickerson is about what she does and the, the great impact that they can have on members out of pocket costs. And hopefully it's also evident that it's really easy to use through that, through the Share mobile app. Uh, those conversations are valuable to me. I learn something new every time and it was really an enjoyable to get to spend the time with Dr. Dickerson. And I hope it uh, brought some insight and revelation to you as uh, an ASH member or as a potential member. So I thank you for your time. As always, I look forward to being with you next time. 